And it is Jesus that makes today truly glorious. Welcome to the Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church. We are so glad to have you with us this morning. Today, Romans chapter 7, verses 23 and 24 will give us three key words. War, prisoner, and wretched. Have you gotten to wretched yet? It's a key question. And now, with his message for today, is our pastor, Robert Elliott. Verses 21 to 24. I find then the principle that evil is present in me, the one who wishes to do good. For I joyfully concur with the law of God in the inner man, but I see a different law in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin, which is in my members, wretched man that I am, who will set me free from the body of this death? Frustrated living. I want you to see three key words in these four verses I have just read. These three key words reveal the Apostle Paul's total frustration with his attempts to do me can do Christianity. Three words that convey just how totally frustrated Paul was trying to live for Christ without the Holy Spirit being his boss. The first word is war, verse 23. But I see a different law in the members of my body waging war. The first word is war. The second word is prisoner, still in verse 23. But I see a different law in the members of my body waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin, which is in my members. The first word is war, verse 23. The second word is prisoner, still verse 23. And the third word is wretched, verse 24. Wretched man that I am, who will set me free from the body of this death? Paul knew that he was at civil war within himself between the Holy Spirit and his flesh. He knew that. He knew that what was up for grabs any given moment of his apostolic life writing the New Testament was whether he'd be in the Holy Spirit or he'd be in the flesh, whether he'd be about good or he'd be about evil, whether he would have freedom in Christ or death to the law of sin and death. And Paul understood a devolving regression. Every day in every way, left uncontrolled by the Holy Spirit, Paul realized he was devolving to be worse as a Christian. It was not a progression, it was a regression. And the regression, war, prisoner, wretched. War, prisoner, wretched. Where are you this morning? Knowing you're at war, but that's it. Knowing you're at war, but you admit that you're a prisoner, except the Holy Spirit sets you free to live the Christian life properly. Where are you this morning? War? Are you down to prisoner yet? Are you down to wretched yet? There's 
a movement afoot in Canada in the liberal Methodist church. I understand the Methodist church in the islands has more conservatism to it, and I thank God for that. But in Canada, the Methodist church is raging liberal. And they take words like a worm in him or wretched in him and say, no, 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 we're not worms and we're not wretched. God is love. Paul said, I acknowledge I'm at war. I acknowledge that in my flesh I'm a prisoner of war. And I acknowledge that in and of myself to live the Christian life, I am wretched. Wretched. Are you wretched yet? Spirit of God will flood in and give you victory in Christian living if you admit you're wretched without him. But until you face the fact that you're at war and a prisoner of war and that you're wretched, the Holy Spirit will just stand back and say, I wonder when she'll get exhausted enough to see this. How long is it going to take for him to admit that he's wretched? I'll wait. Are you wretched yet? Or are you just at war? Or are you just at prison? Or you got to get to wretched. Because spiritual life, sanctification, victorious Christian living, spirit-filled, victorious Christian living in liberation from the law of sin and death, you got to get to wretched. Wretched is a graphic word in New Testament Greek. Teleporos. Teleporos in the Greek is wretched. Its dictionary meaning is to be utterly, miserably, and distressed to, due to total exhaustion from hard labor. God wants you, as a Christian, to get to the point of being wretched in your own understanding, to get to the point that you see yourself trying to live the Christian life without the Holy Spirit's control as being utterly miserable and distressed, due to total exhaustion from hard work. Are you there? Are you wretched? Triathletes. Had a couple triathletes in the last church I pastored. I got tired just listening to what they do. Triathletes swim 2.4 miles. This is all in the same race. They swim 2.4 miles. They cycle 112 miles. And then they run 26.2 miles with no breaks. It's a race against the clock. You see, triathletes are suitably, utterly, miserably exhausted, but no more than the me-can-do, self-reliant Christian should face up to the fact that they are. 23, but I see a different law in the members of my body waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin, which in my members, wretched man that I am. Who will set me free from the body of this death? It says, wretched man that I am. It does not say, wretched man that I am when Christ is controlling me by his spirit. No, he says, wretched man that I am when I do my own do-it-yourself Christian living, not seizing upon the control, the filling, and the powering of the Holy Spirit. Wretched man that I am. The poem is Deliverance. The poet is R.P.D. Bennett. Listen carefully. Under the law, with its tenfold lash, learning, alas, how true, that the more I tried, the sooner I died, while the law cried, you, you, you. Hopelessly still did the battle rage. O wretched 
man my cry. And deliverance sought by some penance bought while I, my soul, cried, I, I, I. Then came a day when my struggle ceased and trembling in every limb at the foot of a tree where one died for me, I sobbed out, him, him, him. Thanks, Pastor Rob, for your message today. And now it's time for Youth Talk with Pastor Nicholas Rogers. Good morning, this is Pastor Nicholas, and today we want to continue talking about what it is and the cost of following Jesus. Last time, you remember, we talked about how there were great crowds following after Jesus, and instead of Jesus saying what the crowd wanted him to hear, and even as you consider in our churches today, a lot of times the pastor may say what the congregation wants to hear. But Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus says, I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to make you think. I'm going to, you know, challenge the way that you consider the relationship that you have with me. And he says this in verse 20. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father, mother, wife, and children, and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Verse 20. For which of you wanting to build a tower doesn't first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, after he's laid the foundation and cannot finish it, all the onlookers will begin to ridicule him, saying, this man started to build and wasn't able to finish. And we left off right there last week as we considered talking about the cost. And in case you didn't get it the first time, Jesus continues on and talks about the cost of following him. And verse 31 says, Or what king go into war against another king, will not first sit down and decide if he is able with 10,000 to oppose the one who comes against him with 20,000. If not, while the other is far, still far off, he sent a delegation and acts for terms of peace. In the same way, therefore, every one of you who does not renounce all his possessions cannot be my disciple. You see, Jesus shows an illustration that we can all imagine as we think of a war. And as you think of one king having 10,000 and another king having 20,000, double the men. And here it is, we come against each other, more than likely the 20,000 people are going to beat the 10,000 people. You see, we need to understand that Jesus is making it very clear that we have to count this cost and say, am I ready to follow Christ? Am I ready to give him everything that I have and everything that I am? You see, verse 32, it makes it very clear that if we find ourselves in this position as a, as a king of one place, we want to try and make peace with that, 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 that other country because we recognize that we don't have a chance. And I know that stories we can think of at Gideon, and, and, and we know that even with David, as Jesus was on this, God was on their side, and they defeat him, and praise the Lord, and we know that if God's on our side, we can do whatever. But as we think about life today, we got to be real and look at those things and we know that they were God things and we know these men pursued God and God is basically saying look you gotta think about the whole picture because in reality 20,000 men were gonna beat 10,000 men almost every single time you see verse 33 says in the same way therefore if every one of you who does not renounce all his possessions cannot be my disciple you see Jesus wants to make it very clear that we recognize that we are giving him every 
single thing of us. We are giving God everything. We are saying, God, whatever you want to do in my life, I'm willing to do. I'm going to follow you no matter what. You see, I think so many times in our lives, we think that we can, we can do this on our own. We think that, you know what? I go to church. I read my Bible. I pray. And I, we think that's enough. We think that's a, is it, we do it more of a duty and an obligation more than we really want to pursue Christ and give him everything. You see, this passage makes it very clear that we need to renounce everything that is in Christ. We need to make sure that he is not just Lord of part of our life, but he's Lord of all of our life. We are saying, whatever it is, you are Lord, you are in control, you are over me. Whatever you want me to do, do with my life. Use me. Bring honor to you, whatever it is. You see, when we have this picture of God and we recognize that he is sovereign, he's in control of all things, we pursue life differently. We look at things around us differently because we recognize that everything in life brings honor and glory to God. It comes back to him. And we have a hope that we can't explain sometimes because we know that Christ is supreme and he has a purpose. You see, we've been talking over the last couple of weeks about discipleship and what that looks like and how we need to recognize that as we follow Christ, we are to give him everything. So I want to challenge you as you can, as you listen to the broadcast, I want to ask you, what is it that you're holding on to? What is that thing that you say, you know what, I don't know if I can give this over to God. I've made these mistakes in my life and, and, and I'm paying the price. And yes, there are consequences of sin. But we need to recognize that we worship a forgiven God. A God that paid the price for every sin, past, present, and future. You see, we need to recognize that He sent His Son that paid this price, and that we can never pay Him back. But He is asking us to give Him our lives, to use for His honor and His glory. What more could we do? What more could we ask? I think too many times we think that we're doing God a favor, but no, no, no. He has done us the favor by us being a part of his family because we worship a good father, a father that is always there for us. When we even can consider if our earthly father has hurt us in the past. And I know this is why some people have a problem to look at God as a father, but we need to recognize that he is different than any father that we have on this earth. He's a God that cares for us. He's a God that loves us. He's a God that wants to be there for us. So I challenge you this morning to really examine your heart and say, God, I want to give this to you. And I want you to use me to bring honor and glory to you and you alone. And whatever it is you have called me to, I am willing to do. Wherever you call me to go, I'm willing to go. And I just want to be used by you. And I think if we do that, if all of us did that, we would live. We would have a better country that we lived in because we would all be pursuing the God of this world, the God that wants what's best for us, the God that loves us. It's time now for today's personal God story. Well, this morning I'm very pleased to have Sister Martha Alvary in our radio studio. And uh, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing fine, Pastor Rob. Oh, that's great. 
It's great to have God's stories that we can share with our listeners. And tell me, were you uh, born and raised in Nassau or somewhere else? Yes, I was born in Nassau, Bahamas, and I was raised here from birth. (laughs) Fantastic. And I know that uh, you, like so many of us, have seen God bring you through some crises in your life. And um, one of those had to do with your daughter and a medical need. And I wonder if you could help us know what the Lord did for your daughter. Yes, God was very faithful in bringing her through her surgery. Back in 1989, she was uh, diagnosed with a brain tumor, Mm. and uh, she had to have surgery in Florida. And we were there for four months. Wow. It was really a long time, but during that time, I really saw God work in our lives. And um, my daughter, she was very uh, much involved with church and the choir and everything, and she knew the Lord. Yes. And the morning when she was going in for her surgery, The one thing that really stuck out with me and my husband was she was very happy. And she said to us, Mom and Dad, don't worry. I'm in the best physician's hand. Wow. And if I don't make it, one day you'll see me again. Mm. And so that was very encouraging to both my husband and I. I'm sure. really showed that Charmaine had set her roots deep into the Lord and his word yes. before she had a crisis. Yes. You must have seen the Lord do some unique things uh, around the time of her surgery or afterwards. Can you think of one that stands out of what God did? Yes, it really brought our family closer together. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it just shows that once we put our faith and trust in God, He can bring us through no matter what the circumstances are. So true. And he brought something beautiful out of something difficult to draw you closer together. Yes, he did. Oh, that's that's fantastic. I praise him for that. Now, I also know that uh, you're a widow. Yes. And that your dear husband, J.R., went to be with the Lord. I wonder if you might share with us, please, some of what the Lord did and has done. Um, and maybe some things you've learned out of that uh, bereavement. Yes. God has really worked in my life. When my husband passed away very suddenly, I was totally numb. Mm -hmm. I was in shock. I felt like, is this really happening? Mm -hmm. I went through a very rough time during that time. Mm -hmm. I was in denial I went through all the stages of grief. Mm. I had to seek counseling because he was my supporter, my provider, my friend, Mm -hmm. my husband, Mm. the one whom I loved dearly. Yes. And we got married very young, Mm. so we grew up together. Yes. And had five children. Mm. And so it was very difficult for me with him being gone so soon and going so quickly. Mm -hmm. But I had to be reminded that he always spoke of going quick when God was ready for him. Mm. And he loved the Lord. And so he always said to me, Honey, I don't want to suffer. I don't want to linger. I don't want to ever have to be in hospital. 
And so he got his wish. The Lord granted him yes, those wishes. Wow. Yes. Mm-hmm. Although it was very hard for me and my children to mm-hmm. accept. Mm-hmm. But over the the time, you know, God heals. And there were many times when I was angry. Mm-hmm. You know, I was really angry because I would say, why? Why? You know, I'd see all these other people on the streets and everything, and I'd wonder, why did God take him? Mm-hmm. But then I had to come to grips that God loved him, mm-hmm. and his work here on earth was finished, and he wanted to take him home. Yes. So through that, it gave me an acceptance, mm-hmm. because I know he's not dead. I know he's still living. Yes. He's with the Lord, you know. And it took me a while to accept that. But yes. I've I've come to that acceptance to know where he is. And one day I will see him again. Absolutely. There'll be a forever hello. Yes. No more goodbyes. <laughs> no. That's that's really something. I understand that you have brought something with you that I'm so glad that you have, which has to do with your last uh, time with your husband on earth as it related to your time in God's word. I wonder if you might share about that. Our last devotion together was with the choice cleaning calendar. And it was talking about David. And the verse was from 1 Samuel 30, verse 6. And David was greatly distressed, but David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. And that's one thing I can be thankful for, that I can always be encouraged Mm -hmm. in God's word, and he will bring me through no matter what. So true. That was very precious of the Lord, wasn't it? That that particular devotional you shared with JR was uh, so meaningful um, at the time, I'm sure, but then since his passing. Yes, and it also says... You know, in God's word, he says, I will never leave you or forsake Mm. you. You know, he's always there with me. That is such a help and such a a glory to God. And I know this morning, Martha, there are people listening uh, in New Providence and the other family islands that um, have loved ones maybe facing a major health crisis or recent widows, men or women that have had to say goodbye in death to their their beloved ones. And uh, I think that your testimony, uh, your God story is so helpful because you basically have said that God uh, brought Charmaine through with faith mm-hmm. and with confidence in yes. God uh, having a plan for her life. But also, since JR's passing, God has brought you through. Yes. And that you've been able to see and believe in time that JR's passing, although a, a shock to you and your family, was, was no surprise to God. It was in his plan, yes. his perfect plan. I would like to say, too, one of my favorite verses is Isaiah 41 and 10. And I'm going to personalize it. It says, yes. do not fear, for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, and I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. That's a fantastic promise that we all can take to the bank when we know Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Yes. Well, once again, thank you so much, Sister Martha, for coming in and telling a bit of your God story. It was nice to be here, Pastor Rob, and I'm 
praying that somebody out there listening, my story will be able to help them. Yes, me too. Whatever they're facing at this time. Beautiful. Well, why don't we pray together, Sister Martha? Thank you. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning because you are God and you love us. You've proven it by sending Jesus to die in our places. And Father, we also come to you because we can come no higher. You are God and God alone. And you have a perfect plan uh, for each of us. And uh, it's a joy to know that. And it's a perspective when we know that that brings us through crises and stress and pressure and loss in a unique way. Thank you, Lord, that J.R. is with you. When he became absent from his body, he became immediately present with you as a, a believer in Jesus. Thank you, as Martha put it, that he's not dead. Uh, J.R.'s living, living in heaven with Jesus. And how great a confidence that is. Thank you, too, Lord, for answered prayer back in the late 80s with Charmaine's brain surgery. Thank you that you brought her through in a beautiful way and that she is, uh, has her full faculties and is loving you and loving her family uh, now. And we pray, Lord, for those listening today who have said goodbye to a loved one in death or who have loved ones that face major medical uh, crisis. We pray, Lord, that we together with them could learn to trust you could learn to see our fear as a call for us to pray and to entrust ourselves to you. Thank you, Lord, too, for the role that biblical counseling has played in our sister Martha's story. And Lord, for any who are really stuck in their grief or stuck in their fear or anxiety, I pray that they could seek out biblical counseling um, here with our counseling center, Christian Counseling Center, or somewhere else. But Lord, that your word could be brought to bear on people's problems. Please bless Martha. Thank you that in healing her, you have made her a skilled and an experienced and a real help to others that face some of these issues that are around her. And we give you the glory for uh, all that you're doing in Martha and all that you will do through her. And we pray this in Jesus' name, rejoicing always. Amen. You have been listening to The Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church, Nassau, Bahamas. Due to concerns regarding COVID-19, we will not have a worship service today at our location on Collins Avenue. Instead, we will be streaming our service online this morning at 10.30 a.m. You can gain access to the service at www.calvarybible.org.bs. Or you can find us at CBC Body on Facebook. Our stream will also be held there. We encourage your comments and you can write us at eocradio at gmail.com. That's eocradio at gmail.com. Or P.O. Box N1684, Nassau, Bahamas. And remember, everyone needs the Savior.